0: It says in James 3:13 through18, "Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show out of his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. In God's word, he gives us a great contrast here in James. The book of James has been sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament uh, because of its focus on wisdom and because of its uh, direction in getting wisdom from God and asking of God, as we'll see later on from that. But then the earthly wisdom James lays out here for us gives us some very distinct differences between the two. There's a great difference between earthly wisdom And Godly wisdom and though earthly wisdom may seem appealing at times we see God gives it a very negative description notice what it says there about it it says where jealousy bitter jealousy selfish ambition thrive bitterness jealousy selfish ambition those aren't positive traits are they now notice this is describing A person that the world would call wise. That they have earthly wisdom. They may do well in business. They may do well in things. They may have written some proverbs, if you will, not the ones in the Bible. There are people who write proverbs, a a wisdom statement, and they give those directions out, and they may sound great, but notice what drives them, what they thrive on. Bitterness. Jealousy selfish ambition. Now ambition's not negative, is it? This is a selfish ambition. So you could sum that up and say, it's all about me and what makes me happy. That that kind of wisdom, a wisdom that's trying to make decisions, that's all about me, God says that's earthly wisdom. That's a negative wisdom. That's not a God kind of wisdom. That's not the wisdom that should be the thing that rules and reigns in our life, that directs us the way he would have us to go. It's all about me. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We live in a world that's all about proclaiming wisdom, knowledge, education, pushing education. But as scripture says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That they're, they're all built on, here's what I know, and, and it's what makes me greater, and I've written this book, and I've written that book. And it's all about what makes me greater, but they've become fools. You remember the Old Testament description of that? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And We live in a society that increasingly tries to reject God from its thinking, what can we do to push God out of our thinking? Well, we don't, we don't want that. And a guy told me one time, he says, well, I, I don't like religion because religion's a crutch. I said, well, if your leg's broke. You know, we, we're broken, and we need to recognize our brokenness. I told him, I said, well, I agree with you. I don't like religion either. He said, well, I thought you went to church all the time. I said, well, I do, but that's relationship, not religion. Religion is man's idea of how we approach God. Relationship, or more importantly, salvation, is God's success at redeeming man to himself. So I believe in salvation. I believe in a biblical walk with Christ, with him. But not this bitterness, jealousy, selfish ambition. Could be in the headlines of the Sentinel right now, couldn't it? That it's what drives earthly wisdom. What can I do to get more out of this? Not what can I do to give more? What can I do to serve more? But what can I do to get more? And it's all about me and what makes me happy. But then notice, unspiritual. It gets a little bold, doesn't it? it gets, it kind of gets to you, it says listen, earthly wisdom is not spiritual. It's the opposite of spiritual. It wants nothing to do with God. There was a time when our school system allowed the word of God to be read, not just by the students in their own private time, but by the teacher. In the 1940s, the number one problem reported by public school teachers was running in the hallway and chewing gum. Wouldn't you teachers love that to be different today, huh? Huh? They say, oh, if that were the problem, right? You know, running in the hallway and chewing gum, will bring it, right? If all you have to do is say, slow down or spit that in the trash can. That was, their, that was their discipline issues. They were reporting to the principal. These unruly kids run in the hallway. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't we love that to just be the issue today? but we've gone a direction that's earthly wisdom rather than godly wisdom. We've allowed ourselves to be caught up in the world's idea of wisdom, what the world calls success, and we allow it to filter into every aspect of our life. Where we don't want spiritual influence in this area or that area when we should want it in every area. Even in the church, we need to watch for, guard for, earthly wisdom creeping into our decision making well we're going to make this decision well here's the things that we should think out no what does god say what direction would god have us to go listen if we're we're on committees we're not making decisions because this is what i like what direction would god have us to go what direction would the lord lead us what is what does god's wisdom look like in this because earthly wisdom is unspiritual So you think that I could make a decision on a church committee that's unspiritual? Yes, we could. Churches have made decisions that were unspiritual because they made it on a basis of earthly wisdom rather than godly wisdom. And we have to, of all people, drive into a godly wisdom. Then I want you to notice, he goes even further than that. We think, well, unspiritual, that sounds pretty hard. Then he says, it's demonic. It's demonic. He is right to the point, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit wants us to understand that earthly wisdom, as sensible as it may seem sometimes, is rooted in demonism. That ultimately its direction is going to lead to something that's not just unspiritual. That it's not just selfish. It's not just jealous. It's not just bitter. It is influenced by demons. That it's evil that it's wrapped in evil is that the thinking that we want is that the wisdom that we as believers should allow to dictate our life as Paul would say God forbid we shouldn't allow these things to happen that the earthly wisdom that the worldly wisdom it's all the way rooted in demonism that the bitterness, the jealousy, the selfish ambition were the superficial, they were the surface issues, but at the root of it, the Bible says, it's demonism that would allow me to think that the world's ideas should supersede God's ideas, that the final authority for believers is the word of God. And whether they want to know it or not, the Bible says that it's the final authority, period, That there's going to come a day, Scripture says, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The world may not want to accept God's word as the final authority, but God's word is the final authority. But if we, the church, don't stand on it and say God's wisdom, God's word is the final authority, what is the world going to think? What is the world going to see? If we don't stand on God's word, who will? The world's not hunting down God's wisdom. We need to take it to them. We need to bring God's wisdom to the world. But look at God's wisdom. We want to spend some time on this because these are the things that should rule our life. He says it's first pure. It's pure. It's free From humanistic influence, you could say. That it's not based on my ideas. It's not based on what I think is right. I'm not leaning to my own understanding. But in all ways, as scripture says, I'm acknowledging him. That it's pure. It's pure wisdom. That it's not tainted by the direction I'd like this to go. But it's completely based on God's word. What would our life look like if godly wisdom? And we sang that song, Be Thou My Vision. And it says, Be Thou My Wisdom. You're my true wisdom. God's word is true wisdom. That it's pure in wisdom. That there's not things corrupting it. The the problem with earthly wisdom is, it down to, well, that's your opinion. Right? So it's not pure. Well, it's how I see it but if we see it the way God sees it and we base our wisdom purely on God's direction of it my ideas won't mess up the truth isn't that what he said don't be false to the truth kind of an odd expression isn't it don't lie about the truth let's put it in our in our modern day thing don't tell a lie about the truth but isn't that exactly what we allow sometimes to happen when we step back from the power, authority, and inerrancy of God's Word? When God's Word isn't the foundation of all of our wisdom, we've taken the purity of wisdom and turned it into earthly wisdom. We've allowed something else to lean away from God's Word. We say, well, you know, but the world doesn't like this. I know. The Bible says that Christ will be a rock of offense, that it's not going to please everyone. Now, that doesn't give me a right to be offensive. I can't be offensive on purpose. I can be offensive on accident sometimes, but I need to repent of that when it happens. (laughs) But I can't go, so well, I'll just go, the Bible's going to offend people, so here it comes. No, that's not pure wisdom, is it? That's Chain wisdom, that's earthly wisdom coming in on that. God's word may be offensive, but that doesn't mean I I present it offensively. I give God's word pure. Here's what God's word says. That may offend somebody, but that doesn't mean that I hold back on God's word because they need God's word because only the pure wisdom of the word of God will transform and change our lives. So if I don't give the world a God kind of wisdom, I'm giving them a machine kind of wisdom, and that's no good. And if I'm giving the world back worldly wisdom, we haven't exchanged anything of value. We have to give them God's wisdom, or we have not given them purity. Then notice it says it's peaceable. It kind of reflects back to, I have to be able to present it in peace, don't I? It makes peace. It seeks peace. It makes me a peacemaker. The true biblical wisdom is going to always want to find a way to bring peace to the situation. Believers who are always trying to stir up trouble and cause a conflict haven't really stepped into biblical wisdom. They haven't really stepped into a God kind of wisdom. Am I going to disagree with the world? Yup. Are there gonna be some things they say that I look at and go, that is just stupid. That's, how did you come up with that? But what should my goal be as a believer who's seeking a God kind of wisdom? How can I approach this peaceably? How can I give them the wisdom, the truth of God's word, but do it in a peaceable fashion? Not argumentative, not angry. We won't get anywhere that way. I used to years ago I'd get aggravated, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door. And it's like they know when you're doing something. You ever notice that? It's like I was in the middle of this. And when I was younger, I, I loved debate. I was on captain of the debate team in high school and, and that, and I liked arguing. So I'd get it, man. I'd just go at it. I'd give them this is wrong and that's wrong, and I'd quote this and quote that. And you know what happened every time? They walk away mad at me. And I close the door mad at them because I was approaching the whole entire situation in earthly wisdom. Now, some of the things I said were true. The problem was I wasn't approaching it in a godly wisdom. I was approaching it in an earthly wisdom, and I pushed them away from the truth of the word of God. It wasn't until I said, let's talk. Why don't you tell me what you believe? Let's, Let's discuss that. I know what the truth of the word of God says, so I know I wasn't going to go that direction. But when I sat down in peace and in love and with the word of God, it was about four weeks of that common grace and that common gift of peaceable love from God's word that those three Jehovah's Witnesses that had been coming to my house prayed to receive Christ. And that wasn't anything I, because you know what I wanted to do? The worldly wisdom, the earthly wisdom in me wanted to say, well, let me show you. I'll argue with you on this one. It was when I presented biblical wisdom in peace. Biblical wisdom is peaceable. That we can come with the truth of the word of God without aggressive anger and hatred because we'll only push them away. You know, the Bible says that we can offend people for the word's sake. And we can be so aggressive at defending God's word, we can offend them so they won't hear God's word. Isn't that crazy? How, why would we do that? Because we're practicing earthly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. The God kind of wisdom would get me out of the equation and be putting Christ in the forefront. The Pharisees, you know, aggravated Jesus. I mean, they just were always Wrong. Their view of the law was wrong. Their view of he, the Old Testament scriptures was wrong. Their, their view of themselves was wrong. But how did Christ approach him, Peaceably. Now, some of the things he said were pretty bold and pretty direct. I mean, when you call somebody a whited sepulcher, you didn't mince a lot of words there. I mean, you, you, didn't, you just drove the bush over. You didn't go around it. You're a whited sepulcher. Outside, it's pretty and painted inside your dead man's bones. Tell us how you really feel, Jesus. Right? But notice, he wasn't yelling. He said, guys, you're, and he quotes scripture. He quotes them, the scriptures they say they're holding to. He says, guys, you're the people he was talking about. He tells them later, he says, you're the ones that the scriptures say with their lips, they praise me, but their heart's far from me. He came at them pure, pure. He didn't put his slant on God's scripture. Peaceable, how do we bring you to a place of peace? Then it says it's gentle. It's gentle. The the Greek word there actually could be translated equitable or fair. It's just that we come with the intention of being gentle, being fair. That the word of God, the wisdom of God, it's fair, it's gentle, it's gracious. Christ could have come on very strong, but he came on gentle. He made himself of no reputation, took on himself the form of a servant. You see where the direction of a God kind of wisdom goes? A God kind of wisdom, all of these things are absolutely contrary to our nature, isn't it? Our nature wants our way. Because he said so when it started, the earthly wisdom, it wants, I want my way. I want it to go my way. I want it to go my direction. Godly wisdom says, keep it pure. Keep your mind and your opinion out of it. Keep it peaceable. Stop arguing and being aggressive about it. Keep it gentle. Be fair. We get aggravated. We see the lost world acting lost. Why does that aggravate us so much? They're lost. How else did you expect them to act? The Bible says the preaching of the cross is to those perishing foolishness. To the lost world, what we're saying from God's word is foolishness. That's why a God kind of wisdom says, I'm going to bring the gospel, the wisdom of God's word, pure and peaceable and gentle Keep me out of it and him in the forefront. Because if I do that, then the Holy Spirit can make sense of God's word to a perishing person. I can't educate them into salvation. You can't educate them into conviction. We could say all the right things from scripture. It's foolishness to them. Only God can make it make sense. Only the Holy Spirit can turn the light on, so to speak, so that Scripture all of a sudden says, oh, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can't get them there intellectually. You can't get them there intellectually. Only a God kind of wisdom can. You see, this wisdom James is talking about is the centerpiece of the gospel. How do I a person who was lost and in desperate need of a savior who's been born again, tell somebody else what I got. And how do they get it? I come with a God kind of wisdom that's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. Notice it says, it's open to reason. Well, I've seen some stubborn people that were not open to reason in churches. Right? I, my granddad used to say it this way, their minds made up, they don't want to be confused with the facts. You know, they've already made a determination. Nope, this is the way it is, and I'm not open to reason. I don't want to hear. Well, does it make sense? Is, Is what they're saying make sense? You know, sometimes believers, we turn off the lost world just because they're lost. What if what they said made sense? What if we listened? What if we were reasonable? What if we were open to reason? What if we were teachable? I can tell you, the impact I've seen in this, Dr. Bob Kirsten, who we all know and love, uh, the members here especially know Dr. Bob so well. He has a whole lot of education. (laughs) He's got more degrees than the thermostat over there. But you know what I, I absolutely love? He is the most teachable person I have ever had the experience of sitting in a Bible study with. I love, I mean, listen, he studies. Do you know that he goes and buys the commentary that goes with the Sunday school curriculum? When he was here regularly and he was able to teach regularly, he would go on his own, get the commentary for it, and he would read through the commentary for every single one of the Sunday school books so he could learn more and he could know more. But here's a man who's, 90-something now, sitting under a pastor in his late 30s who I have seen regularly say, well, I got something from that. I never thought about it that way. That I've sat in Bible studies and younger men sitting around him presenting God's Word and, and we're having discussion around God's Word and they say, that's a great point. I never thought about it that way before. Tell me more. So listen, When he starts talking, everybody else listens. (laughs) You know, we we joke about it in the deacon's meeting when he would lean forward. You know, he'd he'd sit back in the chair and he's listening and he's hearing and he's uh, always, when he leaned forward, just stop. What do you want to say to Dr. Bob? You know why? Because he was open to reason. He was listening. He was teachable. It was a God kind of wisdom. His life personifies this kind of a life. Then notice the next thing it says about it. It's full of mercy and good fruits. The Bible tells us about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. But it's full of mercy. Jesus talks about mercy. He talks about peace. You realize all of these character traits he addresses in the Sermon on the Mount? That a true believer is going to live out things. They're going to be a peacemaker. They're going to be merciful. They're going to be gentle. They're going to be these things. That all of those things that a true believer should be living out in their life are the very reflection of what godly wisdom looks like. That it's going to be mercy and good fruits. How much impact could we possibly make if we as the church were more merciful? Sometimes the church can be the harshest place. I read years ago, this uh, a commentator said that the church is sometimes the only place that shoots their wounded. That, you know, somebody makes a mistake, somebody falls into sin, and, and we just go on the attack. Oh, you sinner, how dare you? Instead of being full of mercy and trying to restore them, trying to bring them back. The scripture says we should do that, doesn't it? It says that we should restore them gently, that we should be people of mercy, now, it doesn't mean that we ignore sin, but that we approach the people with mercy and good fruits, that a biblical wisdom, a God kind of wisdom is filled with mercy and that the fruit is going to produce in my life. Because he started the whole thing with who's wise and understanding and show this by his good Conduct the good fruits, the the behavior, the actions in my life are going to tell you whether or not I'm living in godly wisdom or earthly wisdom. Because if I'm living in godly wisdom, there's not going to be bitterness, there's not going to be jealousy, there's not going to be the selfish ambition, there's not going to be a leaning toward the unspiritual things, and there certainly should never be demonic influence allowed to stay. That's the fruits that are going to show up. The good fruits that will show up are that my life reflects that I'm driving into a godly wisdom, which means I'm never going to be able to answer quickly. We like that though, don't we? I want an answer. I, I hate waiting to give an answer because I think I know, All right? I, I'm quick with the, the answer, not always right. Yes, my kids are you recording that, Samuel? I said that. Yes. <laughs> he's typing it out. Dad just said he's been wrong before. <laughs> Seven different social media platforms just went viral, right? <laughs> Full of mercy. Then notice the last thing it says about them. They're impartial and sincere. Impartial and sincere. We can get so caught up in this is the way I've always known it to be, that we don't see where we're wrong. Then you know that, well, we, we go to this church or we're in this denomination or we're this thing, and we're always right. I heard a guy, he told somebody that I know, he says, I don't like you, Baptists, because you think you're the only ones going to heaven. Um, my friend knew the man well, and so he said back jokingly, he goes, No, no, we think some of us aren't even going. <laughs> but you know, we, we can be very impartial very partial sometimes, can't we? This it's us. We're right, everybody else is wrong. Godly wisdom is impartial. It waits to see what does God say about this situation. And then finally it says, it's sincere. A godly wisdom is sincere. Uh, the word sincere is great. I love this. It comes from a root word of two Latin words, sincere. It means without wax. So back in the early 13th century, when this Latin word originated, the people that would sell in the marketplace pottery, would many times, as if they were making vast amounts of pottery, sometimes, if you've ever done this kind of work, you know that they will crack. And so that that pot wouldn't hold water. But it's expensive to try to break it down and allow it to go back to its shape and then remold and redo that. So they would take wax and fill in those cracks. Now, if they were right and they were going to do things well, they would actually fill those cracks with gold because the gold would actually bond to the pottery and not only would it keep it from leaking, it would make it more valuable. But the ones that were cheap and they were were dirty, if you will, would fill those cracks with wax instead and then paint over it. And so customers began to realize that this would happen. They go home, they put water in it, and the the wax breaks free and their pot leaks. So they would begin to hold up the pottery and they would turn it to the light. And when the light didn't show through, they would say, it's sincere, it's without wax. Now let's just be honest. We're all broken pots. But what do we fill in the cracks with? The gold of God's wisdom or the wax of our own? Because if we're filling our lives, our brokenness, with the wax of our own wisdom, we're going to leak. And it's going to show that we're not sincere. That if we're filling it with the gold of God's wisdom, not only does it fix my brokenness, it makes me more valuable. what God's looking for is for us to shift from the earthly wisdom that we reject earthly wisdom as whatever it may seem like is valuable in it that we push away from earthly wisdom and drive into a God kind of wisdom. Then we could ask the question, so how do I get it? How do I get a God kind of wisdom? Well, you know, he didn't waste any time. He told us how to get it before he got to this verse. Because if you go back to look at chapter one, verse five of James, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach and will be given to him. So how do I get this godly kind of wisdom? Ask God. You can't ask anybody else for it because who else has a godly wisdom? God. That's where I have to go. I have to go to the source for it. I have to go to God for it and ask him. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And on on the reality, it is that simple. Have you ever thought about how simple God made the whole thing? Salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's not a lot of work in that, is there? Not on my part. There was a whole lot on his part. There's almost none on my part. Believe okay I can pull that one off I think ask okay well I've done that before right these are easy things but what do we do with it in earthly wisdom we complicate it so if I go ask God for wisdom he's gonna give me enough I'll be the next Solomon so everybody will come and ask me hold on was that selfish ambition Was that me wanting what's good for me? Go back and read Solomon's prayer and you see when he asked God for the wisdom, he starts it with, I'm a kid. Your people are great people. You're a great God. I'm never gonna be able to lead your people your way without your wisdom. Please help. Help. And God gives him that and then some, doesn't he? But it had to start with a desire for God's wisdom, not his own. He didn't seek his own wisdom. He wanted a God kind of wisdom to infiltrate his life. So he asked God for the wisdom. There's only one thing that could keep me from asking for God's wisdom and not getting it. And that's not being his. So it's simple. So well I've asked for wisdom and I want wisdom but I I just keep going back to the bitterness. I keep going back to the selfish ambition. I keep doing all of those things that you said were negative and that scripture said were negative. So what do I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To trust in him. Repent of your sins and trust in him. And then when wisdom is necessary I can go to the source and no longer have an earthly kind of wisdom but a God kind of wisdom and I can stop being insincere i can be sincere and truly be without the wax of my own wisdom but filled with the gold of god's wisdom as our heads as our invitation time comes maybe you're sitting here and you've been a believer for years but you haven't found that god kind of wisdom ask him today he wants you to have a god kind of wisdom He said he'll give it generously and he'll never reproach you for it. He'll never chastise you for asking for that wisdom. Asking today for a God kind of wisdom. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sins and asked him, we'd love to pray with you, show you from God's word how you can be a child of God and that you can ask God for a God kind of wisdom. Let's stand together as we sing.